FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 185 of the podcast that goes snicked. We're your host, Zombie Jason and Denise Venable. <laughs> what a bit of a rough night. Um, in fact, <laughs> you may hear, besides whatever that weird concoction of noise is, and the giggles commence. You might notice in the background of this, parts of this episode, uh, a different new rhythmic sound. Yeah, like a... <laughs> Not quite like that. But um, anyway, there were, there were three options for, for this episode. Yes. Because this was literally the only time we had to record. Literally. We have a lot going on in the last week or so and coming up. And th- this was it. And turns out, oh, he didn't really want us to record. No, our executive producer was... Uh, yeah. He's like, reschedule. And I was like, but I can't. He's <laughs> like, do it anyway. <laughs> and so the options were either record with the baby swing in the background. Which is what you're hearing. Yeah. Or record with screaming in the background. Which is still possible you might hear some of that anyway. Yes. Or not do an episode at all. Mm, Womp, womp, womp. Right. So we decided you can live with the background of Baby Swing. And, um, yeah. But that said, it's time. It's time to cover everything Wolverine for June 2016. Woohoo! You know what I mean? I know what you mean. So let's do it. Let's do it. Keep it clean. All right, anyway, um, so we're going to talk about, of course, our, our two regular Wolverine books, and then we'll um, have some updates for Civil War Two and Apocalypse War. Update, update. Mm-hmm. Lots of yawning this episode. I'm sorry. No, we've been up for a, a long while. time. A long time. Uh, besides being cranky right now, someone also did not want to sweep at all last night. And to be fair, and I'm... I'm not going to edit that out because I'm actually knocking on wood here. For the most part, all he's been sweeping through the night for the last couple weeks. Yep. But last night was a return to newborn form <laughs> <laughs> at about a thousand percent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and even you, tag teaming, it was like, it's your turn. But you just got up five minutes ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. Our, our turns went very quickly. <laughs> yes. Like a revolving door of not sweeping. Anyway, you don't really care about that. You care about Wolverine. And And comics. Yes, and so that's what we're going to give you. Coming right up. You ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right, so first up, we have all new Wolverine number nine, which is part of the road to Civil War II, though the the hell if I know how this ties into that. I was going to say. But more on that later. Um, bonus, I'm going to get some thoughts from Dan on this episode. Mr. Hi, Dan, Dan Cole from the Inner Comics Podcast tweeted me some some good stuff. Actually, he tweeted this to me like when this book 
first came out, which was like three or four weeks ago. <laughs> we're behind. But Dan, hey man, we're finally gonna read your your messages. So there He's you go. He's been patiently waiting. Hey, I've been saving up all of June for one episode so I can get some flashback stuff out, and I think people like it. So anyway, this is all new. This is not a flashback. This is brand new. Or you know. Kind of new. <laughs> kind of new. You All new Wolverine number nine. Um, the Box Part Two is written by Tom Taylor with art by Marcio Takara or Marcio, maybe. I don't know. Color by Matt Lopez. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And production design by Manny Maderos. And the cover is by Bingle. So on the cover, we have a nice, almost white background with kind of tan and cream around the edges and in this mostly white background we have some bullet shells we have our three characters of the book uh, we have wolverine we have old man logan and we have gabby in the background with a couple of nines right and uh gabby's ergo baby in it on uh, old man logan i don't think that she is i i i'm pretty sure it's her leg it's just the way it's drawn it looks like wolverine's got like a baby pack and oh <laughs> Gabby's writing in it. I didn't even notice that. That's definitely her leg. It's that funny little pattern on her yellow pants. Yes, but it's just the way it's drawn. It yeah. it looks like he's, you know, got a baby wrap <laughs> carrying Gabby around. Well, he has white hair. He's her tauntaun. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought they smelled old <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> you really have to stop <laughs> anyway, I really like this cover. What do you think of this cover? So I actually like the way Old Man Logan is drawn. Yeah, amazing, huh? I know. Right? <laughs> well, though I like him in his own book, but I don't like him in Extraordinary X-Men. I do not like him in Old Man Logan. I do right. not like him with Green Eggs and Ham, but I do like him in this I am. <laughs> yeah, he looks great. The only thing that would make this a perfect cover that's not there is Jonathan the Wolverine. Like stick him like in between Wolverine and Old Man Logan. That'd be pretty great. Or he's like galloping. Yeah. Or, you know, flying. He can fly. He can he's fly. A, he's a flying Wolverine. <laughs> anyway, I love the cover. I think it's really great. I think it's awesome. Yeah. All right. So what? remember last time, uh, Fing Fan Foom ate Old Man Logan and Wolverine's going to try to rescue him. Yes, because someone's built giant Fing Fang Foom pheromone everywhere. Yeah. And so he attacked a helicarrier. So, what happens in this issue? Well, sorry. So, we continue with Fing Fang Foom taking down the helicarrier. Hill's asking Fitz to... Uh, yay, Fitz. Yay, I was like, so excited when I read this and saw Fitz. I even had to ask Jason. So, I had to ask Jason, was this... Like Fitz Fitz from the TV show because I knew Fitz Fitz on the TV show. <laughs> Fitz Fitz. <laughs> Fitz Fitz. Fitz Fitz. Um, Fitbit. <laughs> Fitbit on the TV show wasn't in the comic book. And so y you confirmed that this is. Yes, and he is in the comic now. He just wasn't. He wasn't there before. The yeah. So I, I kind of like that they're pulling all the realities together. But anyway, I digress. There is, a, of course, an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comic series now, but I don't know, it doesn't have the same... Feel? Tone? Feel. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... 
I mean, I'm kind of, actually, to be honest, I'm kind of getting bored with the show anyway. But <gasps> the series is, is definitely boring. <laughs> I feel oh, like. Oh, no. Are you only watching it because I watch it? And Ethan, yeah. I'm watching it to watch with y'all. I mean, there's parts of it I still like, but I don't know. Anyway, I mean, this is not the podcast that goes Shield. That goes ABC Network Television. <laughs> um, so, Fing Fang Foom is happening. Oh, yeah. So, Hill tells. Fitz, hey, that box? Yeah, close it, because it's Fing Fang Foom pheromone. He's like, well, it kind of spilled everywhere. Oops. Yep, it leaked. Then Iron Man shows up, and he's like, hey, couldn't help but notice you got like this giant monster hanging on your helicarrier. (laughs) And he starts attacking it, and she says, whoa, wait, you can't do that, because Wolverine's inside. Two Wolverines. Two yeah. Wolverines. So I guess we did, we actually left off the last issue with her jumping in the mouth. Right. So and she's so like... Let's assume that she's she's all up in there. So she's... We get a great one-page spread of her... Of classic, s- like, old-school comic art of, like, a not fully... Co- or not really, a faded color version. Yeah. Of multiple figures of, of Wolverine traveling down... The trachea? Esophagus? Yeah, esophagus, something, something in the neck, down to the belly, and it looks really great. Yeah, and I love the just position of the dark page of her traveling down the neck, and then the very brightly colored page of yes. Iron Man and Fing Fang Foom. Yeah, and Captain Marvel shows up and yeah. punches Fing Fang Foom in the face. This panel is just, the way it's colorized is gorgeous. Yeah, so S.H.I.E.L.D. has asked the heroes to hold off. Of course, they, Captain Marvel gets that message late. And uh, Wolverine falls down the belly into the gastric acids. Yeah, and she... That's a great panel of her after she splashes in the stomach juices and she hops up. That's gross, stomach it, juices. It is, but it's, I don't know. The colors are just... They okay, pop. your colors are way better. Uh, that's a theme. Yeah, a common theme on this show. I know, but mine look... They look fake. Right. Yours actually look... Gross and juicy. Inside a a dark belly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's a really nice panel. Um, We find Old Man Logan. What's he doing? He is uh, hanging on to the inside of Fing Fang Boom, trying not to disintegrate into the stomach acids by uh, sliding his claws up into the stomach lining. Yeah, he's hanging by one arm from the top of the stomach, and the acid is literally eroding his legs. Yeah, which I don't understand why he doesn't have both arms out of there. Maybe one of them already... I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe he did. Maybe he got tired. Yeah. And he switched. So Laura jumps up and she kind of... get a nice pop of the foot claw just for Dan. Yeah. She sort of spider monkeys her way <laughs> uh, across the stomach and then grabs Logan and tells him to hold on because she's headed out the same way they came in. Right. And I think it's hilarious. She asked him. She asked him. I like his little him. leg bones hanging around. Yeah, which is I funny. Think he like, still has shoes on. That's weird. Well, I guess what, those are some nice leather, durable shoes. And what's weirder is why haven't his leg bones fallen off? No, oh, true. So anyway, right. she asked Logan if he knows a better way out. Let her know. And he's like, eh. Even in all my experience, I don't know a better way out. Right. So then we go back to the outside of Fing Fang Foom, and he's just plowing the helicarrier. And <laughs> is that how you want to say that? He just took that thing and mounted it. 
sorry. He's he's beating. It does up. have the pheromone. <laughs> it does. Anyway, he's, he's like, ooh, hello, carrier baby. <laughs> he took out the one of the fans. You've got a date with destiny. <laughs> Maybe he's making his own hole. I don't know. <laughs> Getting worse. Anyway, he takes out one of the propellers. You're going really blue on this episode. <laughs> anyway, he takes out a propeller. <laughs> and uh, Iron Man and Captain Marvel decide neither one of them can hold the helicarrier up, but they can keep it from crashing into the ocean. So hard. Yes. And crash it does with a nice little colors. Very, a lot of uh, kind of flashes of animation style in this art, but I really yeah. like it. Uh, so everybody's kind of, they've braced themselves for impact. They've hit the water. You see little fishies swimming outside the windows. And, uh. Where did you go? Oh, right there. Okay, see you. <laughs> yeah. So Maria Hill is like talking to Iron Man. She's like, Gabby? Gabby? Well, she tells Iron Man to take out Fing Fang Foom. And Gabby says, you can't do that because Wolverine's still in there. And when she turns to Gabby, I got to look out for everybody here. The the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yes. Gabby disappears. And she reappears outside the helicarrier with a jetpack. A jetpack. And Iron Man asks Hill, (laughs) are her agents getting smaller? Yes. I love that line. It's very Tony Stark. It is very Tony Stark. And Gabby introduces herself. I like the... uh, the pink um, halftone background. Yes. It's really nice. The bubble gummy. Yeah. yeah again, very animated. Not, not anime, animation-ish. Almost. It's not, all right, so visually it's not the same style of art. But the colors and kind of the flow of the book kind of has the little powder puff girl feel to it. And I mean that in a good way because I like that show. See, but, um, I was thinking kind of Andy Warhol. Well, yeah. Yeah, as far as the halftone and stuff, for sure. Well, no, just the colors in general. Right. Oh, really bright, um, yeah, go well together, you know, screen printing kind yes. of colors. So somewhere in a cross between Andy Warhol and Powderpuff Girls. That's right. <laughs> is where this book lives. I'm getting <laughs> drawing getting, ideas. Yeah. Hmm. Then we get an awesome page of Fing Fang Foom opening his mouth and our two Wolverines are inside there. Captain Marvel and Iron Man literally hold his mouth open. Um, and Gabby jumps on with the jetpack and Wolverine's like, Gabby? I love how she's like, it's a jetpack and it's cool. Yeah, she's she's super excited, having lots of fun on her adventure. Nope. So Wolverine, so they both hop on, but it's too much weight. And so Wolverine says, all right, well, you take gimpy old man Logan and I will sink to the bottom of the ocean. No, she says she's going to take care of something. Yeah. So she dives in, goes into the helicarrier from underwater, finds Fitz, tells him to get let her in the cage. And she does uh, the walking dead. How so? You know how they walk among the walkers by rubbing like oh. zombie guts all over yeah. them? Yeah. I'm sorry, not the Z word. Uh, zombie insides all over, or walker guts all over them. Well, she rubs the, fer- she takes a bath in the pheromone. Yeah. She rubs it all over her suit. And, um, and then we get a nice close up just on her eyes and she goes, jet pack. Well, Fitz asks her. Are you using yourself? Like, he's kind of confused. He's like, are you using yourself for bait? She's like, jetpack. Yeah. 
Which is her way of saying, yes, you dumbass. Yeah. So she flies out, and I love the panel on the bottom of this page. Okay, I love how it looks like she's sticking her butt out at him. <laughs> well, and then we have a sniff, and we have Fing Fang Foom's head, and Wolverine in a jetpack in front of his nose, and Iron Man and Captain Marvel kind of off to the side. And in, in the background, real big, we have uh, concentric hearts. Yeah, and what's funny is, so I read this on the iPad with guided view. And when it's so big, I couldn't, in that halftone, I couldn't see the hearts. Oh, really? Yeah, but I'm also really blind without my yes, glasses. Yes, we're waiting for new glasses. A little behind the scenes there. Yeah. Um, but it works. He wants to chase the uh, the sexy smell and jetpack. Yep. He's got his inner dragon all excited. And McCarroll's like, Captain Marvel's like, well, I'll, you can use an escort, right? And she's like, yes. Yes, I could. And Tony Stark decides he's going to go back <laughs> and help clean up the helicarrier. Yes, and we get another great uh, Iron Man line. Uh, Wolverine says, um, I'll be Wolverine, you'll be Tony Stark. Okay, where are we starting? Uh, right here. He goes, there's a room in the helicarrier that's covered in this pheromone. No, and that's, wait, am I Wolverine? No, I'm Wolverine. Oh, I'm Tony Stark. You're you're Tony Stark. Okay. All right. There's a room in the helicarrier that's covered in this pheromone. It won't be out of danger until there's no trace of it left. No problem. That's kind of my fav- my forte. I've had to sterilize a lot of rooms in my time. Ew. <laughs> so then Captain Marvel and Wolverine fly away, and we get an awesome panel of this kind of zooming out and shrinking of Fing Fang Foom and the Statue of Liberty in the background. Yeah. It's really nice. It is. Kind of like... If Godzilla was a sweet Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Then later, uh, we show back up the apartment. Laura's apartment. Yeah, she's with a jetpack. She has on a a Carol Core t-shirt. And she's like, whoa, wait, wait, what's he doing here? So Gabby had to take, you know, she had to take old man Logan somewhere and she brought him to the apartment. But she has him tied up, (laughs) which is interesting. Yeah. Then she says... Uh, she comments that she's in different clothes and Gabby's like, you had to fly the jetpack naked? <laughs> and she's like, yes, it was cold. Yeah. And then Logan wakes up and of course this whole time, remember, remember Wolverine's been kind of hesitant because she wants to help out but this isn't her Logan. Right. And she's made a point to be like not to kind of let any transference happen like no matter what happens I know this is not my Logan. It's not the guy that mentored me. It's not right. the guy whose legacy I'm carrying over. It's just some old fart with claws. But he but, wakes up. And he remembers the apartment. That's right. And he remembers her. So, interesting because, you know, it's, it's always interesting when you have time travel stories or time displacement stories. Like where the timelines converge. Because up to this point, had we read Old Man Logan, you would have thought that the timeline split like a lot earlier than this. Right. But this seems to indicate that he remembers her and remembers part of this. Now, it's also weird because he didn't get this apartment until... Well, no, no, this is one of his apartments. Never mind. Okay. I was going to say, she didn't live here with Gabby until after he was dead. But remember when they found the apartment or first introduced it, Laura talks about how it was one of the places that, he, that Wolverine helped her live. 
Okay. So that it makes sense that he wouldn't remember further back. So he's not he's not remembering like this time. He's remembering earlier, but it's the same apartment. Okay. So that makes a little more sense, I guess. But it's still interesting to see how they how they play this out with the different timelines and stuff and, and what they do. So before we give our thoughts, let's read what Dan has to say. Okay. And we go to the Twitterverse, to the Twitter lines. We're going to open up the Twitter lines. And Dan Cole from Intercomics Podcast, um, his personal Twitter is at Gizmo151183. And he talks about all new Wolverine number nine. <laughs> First thing he says is, this is not a Civil War tie-in. And it's really not. Well, he says, but it is fun to end a colorful but it is a fun end to a colorful two-part story. Which I'm not sure. I think there may be another part to that. But anyway. Um, but Taylor is making this book light and happy and very classic Marvel, which I totally agree. Yes. Um, the continued guest stars enhance the story, making it seem like a full universe. Characters continue to grow a little, and Laura is still a strong lead. What do you think about that? know if this comic actually i think it's, it's been it hasn't been guest star dominated but it's had guest stars in every issue yeah i guess in, in this issue i didn't really feel like she was the dominant character i don't really feel like anybody was well if i had to take a guess i'd say gabby but i don't know she went in and rescued old man logan and, well that's true yeah i, I thought she was she was definitely a strong lead, and i do i do agree that having her in the big picture of the whole Marvel U has has been really fun and exciting. So then he has this to say, Dan has this to say about the art. Art wise, it is a little rushed in places, but Takara's pencils are suited to the story. Lopez's colors bring a vibrant look and complete the package. The colors are amazing. The colors are great. I thought this book really, really popped. Yeah. And I agree, Takara's art can be a little sketchy. I don't know if that's rushed or just his style, but... Overall, I still really enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed it, but I think I enjoyed this so much because I despise Old Man Logan so much that this was like a nice breath of fresh air. Right. Like the colors were bright and vibrant, and then the art was was way better than Old Man Logan. Right. And I don't know. To each their own. Yeah. Yeah. But. Right. Well, then he says, Dan says next, it isn't a deep and important comic, but it is wonderfully charming, and that is often more important. 5.5 claws out of 6. Dan, you can't do 5.5. Yeah, we'll call it a, we'll call it a 5 and or 6. But he did. He did 5.5. And so that's what Dan has to say. So thank you again, Dan, very much for, for sending in those thoughts. I think we mostly agree with you. So, we did like the art. We did love the story. I think charming is a great word for it. It is. Um, but it's still nice and action-packed, and, and Laura is still kicking butt. So, I, I agree with Dan that she is still a strong lead. So, what are you going to grade on Wolverine number nine? So, something I'd like to add okay. about this yeah, book real quick before I um, grade it. The more I read this book, and as long as it stays in this sort of light and airy... Um, when the book first started, 
with the sisters and the, you know, running around and then one sister would die and then the next one would die. It was really, when the book came out, I was hoping that this would be a girl's book. And when I say that, I mean that in the mm-hmm. sense that... Careful. Well... Don't, don't gender cast. No, I'm not. But in this day and age, you know, there are some young girls who love all types of comics. And then yes. there are some girls that love the My Little Pony type stuff. <laughs> and when this book first came out, I thought, oh, I hope this is a great like middle ground, you know, where the girl who's only been introduced to My Little Pony can get introduced to something else with a strong female character and I think that's the crux of it. I think that's what you're trying to say. So let me see if I can kind of. Um, okay. You were hoping this was a book that would not be kitty, but still provide like a good role model for a female superhero. Yeah. Like something that, that young girls could look up to. Right. And, and I got, see themselves in. And I got a little disappointed with all the sisters dying and whatnot because I thought, well, that's not really. I wouldn't want my daughter reading that. Um, but the series has turned itself around with Laura sort of, you know, mini adopting Gabby. Gabby. Anyway, I, I was, I love this particular issue because I felt like it's where I wanted it to go from the get go. Okay. You know, fun I didn't and mind lighthearted and right. But see, I thought even though the beginning was kind of dark, it still had a really fun feel. I think it was just a different shade of fun. Like it was never, it didn't really ever feel uber serious to me. Right. And so, I don't know. I feel like you can have kind of more serious action fun and then you can have, you know, ping, ping, foom fun. Right. (laughs) And I think you can do both. I think, I think the tone was not that drastically different to me. It was different for sure, but it didn't feel like night and day. Like it felt in the same spectrum to me. Yeah, I mean, you can disagree. That's well, I'm just trying to remember back. And I was pregnant then, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there's a there's everything when I was pregnant has a different cloud to it. Right. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Well, so what are you going to grade on New Wolverine number nine? So I'm going to give it five out of six. Okay. I'm going to give it six out of six, Claus. I love this book. Uh, the art. Like it's almost perfect to me. The colors are perfect, um, and the art's pretty close. I love his Fing Fang Foom. So yeah, six out of six for me. Okay. All right. So moving on to Old Man Logan number seven, where Denise and I are sure to disagree completely on everything. For sure. This is Border Town conclusion. Um, conclusion. I can make a conclusion. <laughs> it's gonna be written by Jeff Lemire. Art by Andrea Sorrentino. Colors by Marcello Maiolo. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woo-hoo! And the cover is by Sorrentino and Maiolo. And we're, we're continuing our trend from this story arc with the cover. We have kind of the off-white snowflakes. And then, but this time in the background, instead of like white figures or white backgrounds of black figures, we have a black background with an all-red monochromatic figure of Old Man Logan. And he's kind of beat to hell and almost has like a Terminator look to him, which we've seen that with Wolverine in the past. Yeah. Like the skin is torn off his face and he has like the metal 
jaw that just happens to look kind of cybernetic. And there's ginormous snowflakes. I mean, seriously. Can oh, yeah, those things is, get any bigger? This is like, you know, Midwest Northern snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> but, they, um, they have their own zip code. Right. But I like this cover quite a bit. I don't like it quite as much as the last couple, but I still enjoy it. What do you think of the cover? I'm on the fence. Okay. The other two I thought were better than this one. Yes, I would agree with that. Okay. So remember, Old Man Logan has traveled to this town in Alaska that you can't get in and out of during the winter to uh, to protect his future past wife. Right. <laughs> As a child, his young... I forget how I said it. I said it really nice last issue, and I forget. Anyway. Um... <laughs> We open up with a really cool sequence of panels. Okay, so I have to ask before we explain what these panels are. Okay. Are these actual, like, pickups from old comics? No, no. This is just Sorrentino and Maiolo changing the way the colors are done and even the way the art's done a little bit to try to reflect different time periods and to kind of look, to try to look like when those comics were. So, for example, we have Wolverine in his very first costume, and the colors look like it looks very 70s. Well, okay, so I just want to take it one step even further. So, I'm looking at your floppy. Uh huh. And while it looks amazing when it's on, I'm actually going to go back on what I said, when it's on the iPad, and you can see, especially in guided view, like the detail, the halftone detail, and the Folded paper crease. Right, yeah. There's like a fake kind of almost smudge down the whole page. But even the like off registration. Uh-huh, yeah. It's just. Like in old comics when the colors didn't always quite yes. fit in the lines. And they would like like the combination of the colors would be a little off. So like you printed red and then you printed blue. Right. Like sometimes they wouldn't quite be in sync. Like there's a little bit of like mistake on the panel like on purpose. It looks really cool. I like it quite a bit. I loved looking at the... Like, I actually looked through all of them and then went back before I kept going on in the comic because I just, from an artistic point of view, like, this was eye candy. Like, I just wanted to soak it all in. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. And so we have different scenes. We And Wolverine... or sorry, Old Man Logan is basically lamenting. Because remember, he went to this secluded town, but suddenly the Reavers showed up and wrecked a lot of havoc. And so now he's lamenting that everywhere he goes, chaos follows. And he tries to fight the chaos, tries to be a better person, but even in himself, the chaos always wins, always comes out. And the chaos around him always wins, always comes out. And so we see, like, his first appearance. We see his time as a samurai. We see the second time Jean Grey died. And we see when his future past family died. And the real force of nature, he says, is chaos and death. And we see him with uh, Sorrentino and Maiolo's famous red rain, the kind of static rain of him lying in a field of skeletons. And he kind of decays. And, And then he says, all I know, though, is when I'm faced with the chaos, my only option is to fight back. And we get a nice snicked. Well, you don't see the claw, but you can see his head in the middle of the snicked. And um, 
you know, the one of the Reavers, the guy with the kind of the headlight for an eye, has one of the kids. He's got a gun up to him, and old man Logan says, I'll make you a proposal, bub. Or no, sorry, the Reaver says, Give yourself up, Wolverine, or everyone in the town dies. I'll make you a counter-proposal, bub. Let go of the kid, and I might let, I might let you keep your legs. <coughs> but then he doesn't give him any time to react, and he scrushes his big old claws right to the guy's head. Scrush is an interesting word. I, I think it's probably more a scroosh. Scroosh. Ew. Yeah, pretty gross. That's, that's claw going through brain. Um, so he fights some more Reavers tells the kids to get away and he asks what are you doing here and they just keep saying give yourself up everyone else can leave and uh, Wolverine's like no I'm sorry old man Logan's like no nope 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 and they just talk about how they want to hurt him and he's like who 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 and he's like who do you think Lady Deathstrike and then he cuts off the Reavers head (laughs) I don't understand why Deathstrike wants him dead. We will talk about that at the end. I have that, that some of this bothers me, but we have a nice double page spread of a really decayed skeleton Wolverine. He's got barbed wire around his bones. His costume's falling apart, and all the way through his rib cage and up his neck and coming out the jaws are X Men skulls. And he just talks about how everyone he knows. Everyone he touches, everyone he loves, dies. He's, it looks like he's vomiting up the skulls. It does. A little bit, yeah. And he talks about how he's running off to try to find um, the people he cares about. And he says, I've done this since I've made this same damn run hundreds of times over hundreds of years. I can try to fool myself all I want, but in the end, I already know what I'm going to find when I get there, that I'm too late. This and, is very, uh, I'm sorry, I just... When I got to this panel, I just visually it's so interesting because every time your eye falls on something, you see something different, like the right. arrows in the back of his head. And, yeah. Um, but it's so morbid at the same time. Oh, it's very morbid. Yeah. So then he is too late. Lady Deathstrike has Maureen, his uh, young future past wife, and her mom, I guess, is future past mother-in-law. Uh-huh. And she's going to kill them. Actually, she does something um, that reminded me a lot of the, uh, I think it was one of the season finales to Arrow, where uh, Deathstroke, uh, funny, Deathstrike, Deathstroke, uh-huh. um, has Oliver's sister and his mom. And Oliver. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to kill one of them. You choose which one. Yeah. And... You know, so Deathstrike does the same thing. He has the, he goes, she basically says, I don't know why you're here, but I know it's for one of these. So which one, who are you in love with? Are you in love with the daughter or the mom? Like, whoever it is, like, you choose who lives because I'm killing one of them. And in the same vein as that Arrow episode, the mom says, take care of her. Like, pick me. Right. And old man Wiggins says, I promise. And uh, Deathstrike's like, Ugh. and she tosses the daughter aside. And then uh, a little surprise. Old man Logan says, she got the shot. And Deathstrike's like, huh? I'm sorry, Deathstrike. He's like, huh? 
Then we get a nice panel with a big blam in the background and almost like a, almost looks like deep space behind Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. And then we get one of the panels that I like, but Denise doesn't like. Uh, we have a circle target of red and white monochrome as we see the bullet going through Lady Deathstrike's spine. Do you do you see me shaking my head? They can't see you. Yes. Visualize me shaking my <laughs> head in a not yes pattern. I love this panel. It's, it's, it looks great. The blam is great. The focus on the shot is gruesome. It would but have great. been awesome if they'd not done that stupid circle. But it, it highlights what's going on so you can focus on what it's doing. I think it's cool. No. Yeah. No. Anyway, it's the old constable from last issue with the little handlebar mustache. And then we go back to the red square again. Yeah. And Old Man Wigan says, All right, good job. Now leave. She's mine. And uh, Deathstrike says, I'm not the only one who's coming after you. People have heard you're alive, that you're back. And all the enemies you made, all coming. I was going to wait, but I knew I had to be first, so I had to act fast. Then we get a snick that I'm pretty sure we had before. Like, I feel like that's like an exact duplicate of a previous panel. Oh, I'm sure it is. And, um, and we see the blood dropping. And then we get a little bit of fighting. So Old Man Logan and Deathstrike, you know, go tooth and nail, claw and claw. She tells him you should have stayed dead. And then we get a nice big snicked where he cuts off her arms. I think this should be a nominee. All right, let me enter it while, while I'm thinking about it. So, Snicked of the Year for the Death Strike arm cuts. It's just, it's different than anything we've seen so far. Right. And, you know, Wolverine's half terminator disintegrated. <laughs> yeah, his face is all cut up, so you see, like, a part of his skull. Yeah. I like how Old Man Logan invades into the panel below. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Then he cuts her through the stomach, and then he just basically cuts he her rips to her pieces. To shreds. Yeah, and we see like her cybernetic gears and stuff, as well as her flesh. So he's he's literally just dismantling her, and he gives into the rage, um, and he knows that she uh, she dragged herself off, but then he passes out. And interesting enough, we have a bird, a little birdie, telling him to wake up. And it's the constable, and he's like, Marine, and uh, the mom want to see you. And, and Old Man Logan's like, no, they can't. I've, I've done enough. And like, well, Deathstrike got away. She got in the helicopter. And he apologizes and walks into the sunset. Um, and he says to himself, thinks to himself, he did the very thing he wanted to prevent. He had gone here to try to keep all the pain he would cause Marine in the future from happening to her, like protect her from it. And all he did was bring it right to her doorstep and exposed her. Even though he saved her, he exposed her to death and violence. And she had to see it and witness it. And you can't unsee and witness that stuff. It was pretty gruesome, pretty brutal issue. Yeah. Uh, pretty brutal fighting. And so he decides if chaos is the most dominant force in nature, from now on, he's the chaos. He's not going to wait for all his old enemies to come to him. He's going after them. And we got a nice panel where he's at a fire, a little campfire, and the flames reflecting off of his claws. It looks really cool. It does look cool. Although I did think for a while that he was on fire. 
Oh. Okay, I can see that, but I didn't think that. <laughs> but I can see where you, why you would say that, because it looks like his arm, instead well, of being behind it, is kind of in it. Yeah. Oh, and I guess I when I fir- first looked at this panel where he's got a bonfire, I the way the shape of it is, I thought it was a house. Well, he's burning something, yeah. I don't know if we really know what it is or not, but he is burning something. So, yeah, so... Dare I ask, what do you think of the art? And guess what? I still love it. It was okay. <laughs> All right, what do you think of the story? It was okay. All right, I actually really enjoyed the story. I do have one beef. It's a very fixable beef. Let's hear it. Okay, so as much as we vocally, very vocally, didn't care for, for lots of parts of the Wolverine's weekly series, uh-huh. I feel like this story is basically giving a middle finger to it and in turn giving a middle finger to us long-term readers and read all that because Deathstrike had a very important character arc in that. Yes. To where she ended up at the end that kind of all the things she went through and Wolverine's death that she forgave him of and wasn't going to let her control his, wasn't going to let him control her life anymore. Right. Like she didn't need the vengeance he showed her that there was another way. You know, I mean, most of that series ended up with all the different characters kind of saying, oh, Wolverine showed me that, you know, we can be more than what we're, you know, more than what our nature is. We can overcome. We can be honorable, whatever. Right. And that's the place that she got to. And now they're basically ignoring that and acting like it didn't happen. And honestly, it'd be, you know, one thing, and just take a couple of lines of dialogue you know, there was there was a lots of dialogue where Deathstrike was was talking about why she had to kill old man Logan and why she hated him. Right. Just throw in a couple of lines about not only that, but I had finally made peace. Your death allowed me to make peace. Yep. Allowed me to reflect. And knowing you came back to life, seeing you back alive brought everything back to the surface. So not only do I want vengeance for, you know, what happened to my father between you and him. But also, you gave me peace and then took it away, and I want vengeance for that too. Like, it, it almost gives her more motivation, right? And kind of clarifies like where she came from, and it's really just two or three lines of dialogue give validation to the character arc she had instead of just ignoring it and saying, "Oh, that didn't really happen." Like this is just Deathstrike before. I agree with that. Um. And so that bothers me. I don't. How much does it bother me? I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed the story, and I enjoyed kind of where what Old Man Logan goes through in this story. But yeah, I just, I just wish, just acknowledge that I, and acknowledge that I spent money and time reading that stupid series, <laughs> and right. you know, instead of just telling me acting like it didn't Giving happen. Giving you the big middle finger. Right. The middle claw. The middle claw. Yeah. So how much did that affect my enjoyment of the book? Um, man, I'm going to give Old Man and Logan number seven. Kind of waffle between a four and a five. I think there was enough I really liked visually, and I liked where it ended up. And I'm probably going to go with five out of six claws, but uh, just Death Strike 
in general, almost knocked me down to a four. Hmm. So, <laughs> what are you going to grade Old Man and Logan number seven? I'm actually going to give it three out of six. Okay, that's not bad for you on this series. No, it's not. And here's why. Um, I do feel like we had a huge Logan res- revelation, um, which is not anything new because when Logan was younger and he was Wolverine, you know, he always said, oh, I can't share my life with anybody. <laughs> right. And so it's technically not a new revelation, but it is kind of a new revelation because he came to the town with the idea of protecting. Right. And even maybe like changing the future a little bit. Right. And basically what what this story taught him, the moral of the story, is that he not only like brings pain and suffering everywhere he goes, but he can't even like protect the future or prevent pain and suffering from coming even if he knows about it right and i i think that to me was a fascinating revelation it's a destiny to to logan almost in a way a sad destiny yeah (laughs) but that's definitely the way lemire was playing this issue and i i thought that was interesting yeah and that's the only thing that bumped it up okay fair enough all right well those are our two main wolverine books uh, for me, still both going very strong. For Denise, nah, eh. still both still going. <laughs> They're going. He's making me read them. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, take a short break, and then I'll come back with some war. Was it good for? Oh, is that our song? I don't know. <laughs> I have two wars to talk about. I have civil war and apocalypse war. So. Oh. Yeah, multi multifaceted war. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, moving on. Moving on. Okay, next up, we have a brand new segment Wolverines at War. War. Bub, what's it good for? <laughs> um, we have uh, three different apocalypse wars tie-ins and a civil war two tie-in that involved various wolverines so first up with a paka paka blue lips we have extraordinary x-men number 11 this continues their version of apocalypse wars it's written by jeff lemire with pencils by umberto ramos inks by victor olazaba and colors by edgar delgado letters by vcs joe caramagna and Ramos and Delgado did the cover. And the cover's actually kind of cool. It's uh, Old Man Logan enveloped in the Venom symbiote. He's attacking young Jean. And she looks uh, appropriately scared. She's getting wrapped up in symbiote goo. And Old Man Logan screaming from beneath the symbiote. I mean, it's not a bad cover. Really barely tangentially applies to the story. But <laughs> anyway, um, Andrew... I had some thoughts about this issue and he wanted to share with the show and so I'm going to share them with you. And then I'll I'll kind of say what happens because, I mean, who cares, really? <laughs> um, Extraordinary X-Men number 11, Andrew writes, What a mess. Worst Ramos art ever. My non-heroic wrists are thicker than the female legs in this issue and don't get me started on the horse teeth. It goes way beyond quote-unquote cartoonish and into absurd. I really hated it. 
The story has lost steam and I am losing interest. Lemire continues to not seem to understand who Nightcrawler is, amen, or how his powers actually work. As DC Rebirth is gaining momentum and Civil War II steals more of my money, this book is teetering on the edge of getting dropped. And Andrew rated it one foot claw to the eyeball. <laughs> so, he's a little miserable with this series. You know, he sent me a text before that. We were talking about stuff. And, um, you know, one of the things we talk about is what order we read it. And I think he's with me. I believe, I'm, if I'm misspeaking, Andrew, I apologize. But um, generally, when I get new books, I put the stuff I'm least interested in reading at the top and read my way down the stack to the stuff I'm most excited about. So in theory, I end up on my best book. Now, sometimes surprises come along. Maybe I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about a book, so I put it near the top and I end up loving it, Um, i.e. the first time I read the new Doctor Strange series, the number one. That book was kind of just in the middle of the stack, and now that book is on the bottom of the stack because I love it. Anyway, so Andrew Andrew asked me, uh, he basically said that the extraordinary Uncanny X-Men were moving towards the top of his stack. And I told him that I kind of agree that if I wasn't reading them for the show, they would probably be near the, the top of my stack pretty regularly. So what happens in this book, you ask, and Andrew hates so much? Well, remember the extraordinary X-Men are in the future chasing down the kids in the Ark with the mutant embryos, and Apocalypse has made a new world. A whole new world! And um, he has four horsemen. And one of them is Venom, and Venom has taken over Old Man Logan. And Jean goes inside his head and tries to calm him down. But the symbiote has even taken over his psyche, and he attacks Jean in his head. And I gotta say, Andrew was talking about how skinny her legs is. Jean, young Jean Grey, in this comic, is like a skeleton with boobs. And when you throw in the red hair, she kind of reminds you of rehab Lindsay Lohan. That's not a compliment, Ramos. <laughs> not at all. So the symbiote stuff looks okay, but that's the stuff Ramos is good at. And, you know, Moon Knight, the Moon Knight Horsemen and the Deadpool Horsemen look all right. Um, there's an okay banter between Iceman and the Deadpool guy. Deadpool, of course, looks like the Deadpool from Wolverine Origins where his mouth is sewn shut. Uh, but he cuts open the threads and all these bugs fly out of his mouth and attack Iceman. For some reason, Colossus has stretchy metal arms. Then back in X-Haven, I can never remember the girl's name. Soraya, I think. And I might be saying it wrong. I don't think that they say it in here. But she's leaving the school in Inferno. She's leaving X-Haven because she's been having visions of her future self killing magic. With magic's very own self-same soul sword. And she doesn't want that to happen, so she's going to leave. Which, if there's anything you know about um, predicting the future... Running away from it only puts you in position to fulfill it. So, you know, that'll happen, I guess. Um, Ramos's limbo is not as messy as it could be, but it's pretty messy looking. Uh, Storm and Nightcrawler do some stuff. And they find Apocalypse. And basically, Apocalypse is powering the worlds. He's a frail Apocalypse. And all these worlds that we saw were connected are like his new body. All right. And so they fight. Wolverine's, by the way, completely out of this issue. Uh, Nightcrawler, uncharacteristically, but, you know, in his limb here, um, kills Apocalypse, and the world starts falling apart. 
and that's it. All right, so the idea of these planets being like a body and like apocalypse and being the heart, I'm going to say something that's kind of hypocritical here a little bit, and I, I recognize that. I understand Apocalypse Wars tying into the new movie, you know, X-Men Apocalypse. They wanted to have some Apocalypse kind of stories come out to match the movie, and that's kind of some of what's driving some of this. So the stories needed to evolve Apocalypse. Okay? We want the character to evolve. I would argue that having Genesis, Evan, Kid Apocalypse, is a better way to do that. But, I mean, because the whole, like, oh, I'm Apocalypse, survival of the fittest all the time, you know, it, it it's cool to read in back issues, but by this point, it runs a little stale. So I'm applauding Lemire on the one hand for doing something different. Though again, I would argue that something different is already being done and let's just further that story, which is a lot better in in all new X-Men, by the way. It's actually a pretty decent chapter. We didn't get to cover it this episode because there were no Wolverines in it, but um, it was was pretty decent. Anyway, this idea of, of this new world being like a body and a character being the heart would be a really cool bad guy if it wasn't, a, I just think it'd be cooler if it wasn't Apocalypse. Like if it was the new villain. And that would be pretty sweet, I think. And it would actually make sense. It's not. It's a good concept. Don't really know how, you know, it being Apocalypse is okay, but I don't know. It's an opportunity to do something new. And we decided to just replay the greatest hits instead. Um, I agree with Andrew. Art's not good in this issue particularly i don't know if it's his worst one yet probably that first time they fought all the inferno demons was probably still worse i forget which issue that was but the story is definitely losing steam is a good term i don't think i hated this issue quite as much as andrew did it didn't make me as miserable but there were a couple of things that were even slightly enjoyable uh for example the colors colors are still really good so kudos to uh, delgado He's he's a good colorist. But yeah, it's just kind of boring. The whole Wolverine Venom thing barely happened for being on the cover. Really haven't done anything with it. Yeah, I kind of teetered. Andrew gave this one claw. I kind of teetered between a two and a three. It's because I would say more than being angered by it, I mean, it's kind of disinterested. It's kind of like, okay, here's an issue with this. I'll read it, I guess. You know what? I'm going to go two out of six claws. I'll go a hair higher than Andrew for Extraordinary X-Men number 11. So we also have two issues of Uncanny X-Men, number eight and number nine. Both have the exact same team, Colin Bunn writer, Ken Lashley artist, Nolan Woodard colors, VCs Joe Caramagna letters, Greg Land and Woodard did the cover. The cover to eight is actually kind of cool. It's Psylocke fighting Phantom X with some pink and neon green in the background. And consequently, the cover to number nine is kind of cool. We have Genocide, and reflected in his helmet, he's all lit up in like a dark gray and orange, and reflected in his helmet is a Magneto skull. It's kind of a cool cover. So eight, basically, we follow up with our angel story, and we see, you know, Psylocke and Magneto got captured under Colorado. And we find out that Warren has submitted himself to Genocide, so that they can purge him of Archangel, which begs the question, well, then who's the Archangel we have? I don't know. Uh, of course, Phantom X shows up uh, back in the Morlock tunnels. Sabretooth, Monet, and Callisto fight Implate, and I don't like Implate. 
I don't care about that part of the story at all. It's kind of interesting to see some more development between Sabretooth and Monet. There's even a part where, where Monet, uh, very smart-ass, we call Sabretooth a frail, you know, kind of turns the tables on him. But, yeah, I, just, I don't care about the endpoint story at all. So we find out also that while um, Genocide may be trying to cure Warren, he's also using the material he takes out of him to build an army of Archangel clones to help bring about his own apocalypse to carry on his father's work. And seeing this, Psylocke calls out to Archangel to come save her. Uh, Moving right along to number nine. Just do these together real fast. Magneto is captured. He's taunted by Warren, who turns out to be Mystique. But Warren's also still there. But Mystique and Phantom X are there trying to help Magneto and Psylocke. Of course, we rehash some of the baggage between Psylocke and Phantom X and all the stuff that happened there. There's a really cool panel of Sabretooth's claws outlined in red. Some more of the endpoint story. Who cares? Genocide shows his hand, but, you know, it doesn't really matter because the heroes, the Uncanny X-Men already know. But they fight. There's some fighty fight. Mystique threatens to kill Warren and stop the Archangel farm system that Genocide has. But he releases the Archangel monsters. But then Archangel really shows up. But is he fighting them is the last panel it looks like he's like in front of all his clones so i don't know what he's doing what, what's going to happen whether he's going to lead the clones fight the clones is he good bad i don't know so the archangel story not bad it's kind of interesting idea of of warren trying to purge the darkness out of like he, he feels like he's always like fighting the darkness of archangel and always succumbing to it and if he can find a way to like exercise it then, you know, why shouldn't he try if it happens, just so happens that it's genocide, Apocalypse's son that's doing it. But, you know, looking for a cure makes strange bedfellows is not how that saying goes, but it applies. Um, so that part is kind of interesting, and, and it actually has gone from kind of a who cares mystery about Archangel to like, oh, and there's actually a little bit of intrigue here. But it's balanced with this endpoint story, which is boring as hell. So it's like we have these two stories going on, one of which is kind of interesting and one of which is not even a little bit interesting. The only thing interesting about it is the character stuff with Sabretooth. And so you have Sabretooth and Monet and their burgeoning question mark relationship. And then you have Callisto needling Sabretooth about being back in the Morlock tunnels, you know, for his role in the mutant massacre. That part's kind of interesting, but the endpoint part, I flush that down the toilet and I could care less uh, sorry for all you Gen X fans I know that was probably a bigger story in your hearts in, for that run but nah not for me the art aren't, I'm not really digging Lashley's output in this series I think it's more fitting for the tone than Land was but I still just don't really enjoy it and you know, that and, like, the clones of Archangel and the evil and, like, all the kind of dark, mad scientist thing is very X-Men-y, but with this particular art, this book is starting to feel like the new 52 version of the X-Men. And I don't mean that in a good way. There are lots of parts, I don't, you know, I often, you know, even this episode had Dan's opinions from Intercomics Podcast, and they infamously, or maybe famously, they're probably pretty proud of it, I guess, 
often ridiculed the New 52. I don't hate it as much as them. And there are actually parts of it I enjoyed. But there are aspects to it that I didn't enjoy. And this book is starting to remind me of some of those aspects. Some of it's visual. Some of it's in the this, this plots and stuff too as well. And just kind of have that feeling to it. And I'm just not really digging it. But I'm not hating it either. I'm going to give both of these books just a flat three out of six claws for meh. <laughs> so that's Uncanny X-Men. And that's going to wrap up Apaka Paka Blue Lips Wars. So now we have just barely want to touch on Civil War 2, Choosing Sides number 1, which has three stories. Nick Fury, or Prost Prologue, part 1, is written and art by Declan Shelby. Colors by Jordi Belair. Okay? Night Thrasher, written by Brandon Easton. Art by Paul Davidson. Colors by Andrew Crossley. And Damage Control, written by Chad Bowers and Chris Sims. Art by Leonardo Romero. Colors by Miroslav Merva. I'm pretty sure. Okay. The colors by Jim Chung and Justin Ponsor. And it's pretty cool. It's got like the Black Civil War 2 banner through the middle. And on top, you have two teams. One led by Captain Marvel, one by Iron Man. And there are various supporters behind them. And it's, it's a pretty cool cover. Jim Chung's awesome, so, you know, it's not bad. Um, Declan Shelby's Nick Fury story. Pretty decent. Basically, Nick Fury... Maria Hill sends Nick Fury to infiltrate a Hydra cell, but it turns out there's a S.H.I.E.L.D. sweeper cell that wants to kill Nick Fury so that S.H.I.E.L.D. can survive. So they're not Hydra, but they don't want Nick Fury there either. And they keep referring to the leader with a capital L, so I really hope it's the Hulk leader. And I hope Shalvey gives him the old handlebar mustache that McFarlane gave him. Those are kind of back in style now, so I would really love to see that. Uh, I also really dig... Uh, Shalvey's new design for Nick Fury. Um, the, the shield eagle on the front and the trench coat with the eye patch. Of course, Belair is a color masterist. The art, this book, this part of the story just looks great. And it actually makes me want to keep reading this book as opposed to the other two stories. Uh, the Night Thrasher one is completely forgettable. And there's really nothing even to say about it. It's showing his perspective and involvement from when this extra-dimensional celestial attack New York that kind of kicked off Civil War II. Um, but who cares? The damage control. There's, this is our one lonely Wolverine panel. Uh, also referring to that same incident with the celestial that kicked off Civil War II. And then damage control comes to clean it up. And they're looking for a new commercial, and they can't think of one. And they find an alien talking backhoe. And... He tells them to leave it to the professionals. And that becomes their new tagline. And the commercial goes viral. Bleh. Really, really dumb. Really, really dumb. So, Nick Fury's story. Pretty pretty good. Lots of fun. Night Thrasher. Forgettable. Damage Control. Actually disliked. So, that averages out this whole comic. Oh, jeez. I don't, I don't want to make Shelby or Belair get a low grade. So I want to grade it high for them, but I just can't grade this whole book high. So I will say they got high marks. Civil War 2, Choosing Sides number 1 in general, is going to be uh, 2 out of 6 claws. And all of that is for the first story. So if, each, if we have 6 claws and 3 stories, each one is worth 2 claws. The Nick Fury story by Shelby and Belair got 2 claws. And the other 2 stories got 0 apiece. So that's how the issue gets 2 out of 6 claws. All right, that's Civil War 2 update, and that's our new segment, 
Wolverines at War. Theme song? War! Bub, what's it good for? Alright. Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode. That completely wraps up everything Wolverine for June 2016. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, Next up, looking forward to this a lot. We have a flashback episode that talks about the debut of Marvel Comics Presents. That's going to have a special guest, John Wilson, returning to the show. One of my podcasting peers, one of my favorites. Um, So really looking forward to having him come on. Thanks again to Dan and Andrew. Dan, of course, from the Intercomics podcast. And Andrew, just from being awesome. Thanks to both of them for giving their various input on some of the books we talked about. Always enjoy getting those. And anyone at any time can feel free to send stuff in if you so choose. So anyway, as far as the show, like the Facebook page. Uh, Twitter is at SnickCast. Email us snickcast at yahoo.com. And show notes are at snickcast.podbean.com. And that's going to do it. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. And snacked.